Well, good morning. Good to worship with you today. If you're new here, my name is Fred. I'm one of the pastors. I get the privilege of preaching the word uh, here this morning. I'm very excited to start the book of Revelation. And so if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter one. While you're doing that, I'm gonna go ahead. We have some announcements that we need to make before we get into that. And those announcements begin with tonight, we have our men's cookout. And so uh, men, if you are free tonight at 6 p.m., we'd love to have you here. We've got a great meal prepared and just a great opportunity to fellowship together. And so that's at six o'clock tonight. Uh, Lots of things starting up this week. This is kind of our fall kickoff week. And so we have small groups starting this week. You'll see in the fellowship area an opportunity to sign up for small groups and to see what's happening there. And so please take some time before you leave today to see if there's a group that you can connect to. Uh, We also have our youth ministry starting up tomorrow night. So all of you students who are in 7th through 12th grade, almost made up a new grade there, 7th through 12th grade, uh, tomorrow night, we'd love to have you here for our youth ministry. Our young adults next Sunday are starting their Sundays on Sundays, which is when uh, they're going to get together here at the church, eat ice cream, and study the Bible together. And so if you are 18 plus, we encourage you to check out the young adults group. We'd love to have you uh, join us for that. Well, with that being said, oh, one more, Uh, baptisms, our next baptism, some of you have been asking, our next baptism service is gonna be on November 5th. And so if you are interested in talking to somebody about getting baptized, uh, maybe you just have questions, you're not sure you wanna do that, or you're certain you wanna do it, uh, please fill out that connect card on the seat in front of you. There is a box that you can check that you're interested in baptism, and Pastor Marty will be in touch with you about that. All right, with that, we're gonna get into Revelation today. And so I'm very excited to start this journey with you. We're gonna spend 13 weeks in the book of Revelation. That does not give us enough time to study or even look at every passage in Revelation. Uh, I've selected 13 passages to move us through the book that I think are a fair representation of what's in the book. But just so you know, we're not gonna study every single verse Um, As we do that, I wanna equip you with some tools for studying Revelation. And so today is primarily gonna be about uh, helping you prepare to study this very fascinating book that's part of God's word. So let me read Revelation chapter one, verses one through eight. And after I read, we will pray together. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, whatever he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him So it is to be, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. 
Would you pray with me as we consider this text together? Father, as we enter into this study of this unique portion of your word, I pray that, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our spirits. May we grow closer to you. May, may, may we increase our desire to serve you in this generation. And, and God, may we see a clear vision of the great God that you are. Lift our eyes toward heaven today, I pray, as we consider your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Revelation. By the way, if you have the, uh, the Revelation Scripture notebook, that little blue book, uh, we don't have any more of those available, by the way, but you can get it on Amazon for pretty much the same price. I think it's $5.99 on Amazon. It'll be here in a couple of days. You'll have it for next week if you'd still like to get one. If you need a link to make sure you get the right one, please let me know. But if you have that little blue book, let me remind you to put your name in it. There's over a hundred of those that are gonna be floating around here over the next few weeks. And so could be very easy to set it down and get mixed up. So make sure your name's in there. Some suggestions, you, you can handle that a couple of different ways. Uh, of course, you have a handout that you receive every week when you come in here. You may find it easiest just during the service to fill in the blanks and um, you know basically attend to that handout and use your notebook for supplemental notes. You may want to later go back and transfer what's in the handout into that notebook. That might be helpful, both as a way of re reinforcing what you're studying, but also as a way of getting everything in one place. Uh, or you may just want to ditch the handout and take notes in the, the notebook. Either, either way you want to do that is fine with me. I just encourage you to engage as we get into this book. And so what I want to do today is I want to I wanna talk about the study of the book of Revelation and then we'll actually look a little bit closer at these few verses that we just read. But the first thing you need to know about Revelation is there are multiple ways to approach it. There are different views on what exactly the book of Revelation is. And I mean views within Orthodox Christianity, views within the group of people who all agree this is the inspired word of God. There are different ways of interpreting or seeing the book of Revelation. You need to, to at least have a, a cursory understanding of those views in order to begin studying this book. Revelation is, is perhaps the most difficult book in the Bible to interpret, certainly in the New Testament. And so to step back and get an idea of how to study the book of Revelation is the first thing that we need to do. So let me give you the four primary views of how to approach, view, study, interpret the book of Revelation. You'll see these on the handout. These four views begin with what's called the preterist view. The preterist view is the view that the book of Revelation is prophecy that was mostly fulfilled in the first century AD. This is the view that looks at the 22 chapters of Revelation and says this was all written before 70 AD and was fulfilled in the time uh, from 70 AD onward, mostly within the first century. Now, most uh, Christian preterists believe that the last couple of chapters of Revelation are the exception, that those point to things that will be fulfilled. 
But why do people believe the book of Revelation was fulfilled in AD 70 in the years following that? That is because a cataclysmic event happened in AD 70. The Jewish people revolted against the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire basically rained down the full force of the Roman army upon the Jewish people in Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, uh, killed many, many Jews, chased them out of Jerusalem to where they were having to hide in the hills surrounding Jerusalem, pursued them even there, oftentimes killed them in horrific ways. So some people look at that and they say, this is what John was talking about. And although this is probably the least popular view among Bible-believing Christians today, there are reasons to consider it. There are, there, there, if you look at the horrific events that are prophesied in the book of Revelation and compare them to what happened in Jewish history in 70 AD and the years after that, you could, you could begin to line things up and say this seems like perhaps it was fulfilled at that time. So that's the preterist view. The preterist view is gonna look at, look at Revelation and say this describes what happened in the first century. Like I said, that's probably the least popular view among Bible-believing Christians today. But there are, and I should say, the, the reason we're talking about all four of these views is because there are good arguments to be made for each of them. One of the challenges of studying Revelation is that whichever of these four views you may hold to, you're gonna run into problem passages. In other words, there are gonna be passages in Revelation where you say, this doesn't really support my view of the book of Revelation. And we'll talk about that a little bit and how we should approach this book with humility, but uh, just so we can get these all out there. That's the preterist view. The historicist view is the second view of the book of Revelation. And this, this view believes that the book of Revelation is prophecy about church history from the time of John, so the, the first century, to the end of the world. And so the, the historicists differ from the preterists in that they don't believe that this is a prophecy about a very short period of time, but this is a, a prophecy about the history of the last 2,000 years and however long the church age continues. And by the church age, I mean the time that we live in now until the return of Christ. And so the historicist view says, these, these events that are described in Revelation are happening throughout the last 2,000 years and on into the future and seeks to identify historical events that might line up with different passages of Revelation. Now, there is a, a, a ton of variety of ideas within the historicist view as to which events are described by which passages in Revelation, but you have, you have significant events which have happened over the last 2,000 years. You have things like the Protestant Reformation. You have things like the Crusades, the rise of Islam and, and the battle between Islam and Christianity. You have things that have happened throughout the last 2,000 years that you could look at the book of Revelation and go, I, I believe this is describing this historical event. Now the challenge one of the challenges with that view is the longer church history extends, the more rewriting of 
this sort of historicist view that has to take place. You're like, well, I thought that this was describing this event, but now that this has happened, you know, now that World War II has taken place or the internet or COVID or something, you're, you're constantly having to look at historical events and say, well, perhaps that's what Revelation 18 was talking about and so on and so forth. You have things like this in the historicist view. Some, some historicists believe that the seven churches described in the first couple chapters of Revelation aren't, aren't geographic churches, that they are church ages. And so we're gonna look at a couple of those in the weeks to come. We're gonna look at the letter written to the church in Laodicea. And some would say, well, that's a church age. And they try to identify uh, periods of time that coincide with these, these different churches described. That's not all historicists. Again, there's a ton uh, of different views within this one, but that's the historicist view. So these aren't necessarily, this book is not necessarily describing things that are going to happen in the future. Uh, some of those things are going to happen in the future because they haven't happened yet, but a lot of the book of Revelation has already taken place throughout the last 2,000 years. Thirdly, we have the idealist view. The idealist view views Revelation as a non-historical, non-prophetic drama about spiritual realities. Now, there are, let, let me just put a disclaimer in here. There's gonna be a lot of disclaimers um, throughout, throughout this sermon series, especially today. Uh, these, I, I've tried to take what, what seem to be the broadest and most acceptable definitions. One of the challenges as you study Revelation and study people who hold to different views is that you're gonna say, oh, you're an idealist. That means you believe this. And they're gonna go, no, not exactly. And then they're gonna correct you and, and have a slightly different take. And so these are kind of generic definitions. Some people would argue with them and say, yes, I'm an idealist, but I wouldn't say it that way. And, and that's fine. That's just the reality of, of what we're dipping our toes in here. So... Uh, a non-historical, non-prophetic drama about spiritual realities. So this view takes the book of Revelation and says, we don't need to try to uh, ascribe historical events, past or future, to what's in the book of Revelation. That rather, this is a spiritual drama that is describing for us the battle between God and Satan, the battle between Christians and the world, the battles, the spiritual battles that all Christians throughout all of Christian history are involved in. And so when Revelation speaks of persecution of Christians, that's not speaking about a specific time when Christians will be persecuted. It is speaking about the general concept that Christians will be persecuted throughout human history or throughout Christian history. And, and one of the strengths of that is, is that there's a lot more flexibility in terms of your interpretation of Revelation. And certainly you can find examples of much of what is described in the book of Revelation in just about any age of church history. Another strength of this position is that it's extremely applicable. And in fact, uh, I'll, well, I don't wanna talk too much about where, where I fall just yet, but, um, the idealist view, the, the, the strength of that is that the book of Revelation isn't about future events that are gonna happen that we don't really have to worry about because we're not in it yet. Maybe we will be someday, but rather it's a book that applies to every Christian in every age and, and that can be a very helpful way of 
of, of thinking about the book. The last and not least, certainly not least, because it's the most popular view among evangelical Christians today, is the futurist view. The futurist view is probably the one you've been most exposed to, if you've been exposed to any of these at all. If you've ever turned on the TV or scrolled through social media and heard a preacher preaching about Revelation, they probably were preaching from the view of what's called the futurist view. Revelation is a prophecy that is mostly about the end of the world. And so... Next week, we'll look a little bit at the structure of Revelation and, and that, that might help, help you kind of put some of these views together then as well. But the futurists basically hold that either beginning with the letters to the seven churches or immediately after the letters to the seven churches, everything in there is prophecy about events that are gonna take place Typically, most futurists would say with, within a several year period immediately leading up to the return of Christ. And the reason this view is so popular is because it's exciting to talk about. Preachers love, especially, especially well, especially the type of preacher that, is, that you find on, the t- on TV or with these big kind of, international teaching ministries. That's just how I'll describe them there. But they love to talk about how, oh, did you hear about the earthquake over there? The revelation tells us, or did you hear about the war? Or did you hear about the peace agreement between the Saudis and Israel? The, the revelation talks that they love to take contemporary events and ascribe them to specific passages in the book of Revelation. One of the challenges of, uh, of this view is that thus far, everyone who has ascribed contemporary events to the descriptions found in the book of Revelation has been proven wrong. (laughs) That's a big challenge. (laughs) Um, That doesn't mean the futurist view is wrong. It means that the tendency to take the futurist view and say, this is happening now because, or this this um, contemporary event is a, a fulfillment of Revelation chapter eight because that's, that's dangerous ground to be on. However, it's extremely exciting. People love it. People will pay for it. People will, will click subscribe and they'll post it and they'll share it with their friends and they'll say, did you hear about this happening? It's just the nature of, of humanity. It's, and it's the nature of Christians to wanna see the, the Bible is being proven true in real life as we speak. Um, but this view is fraught with, with dangers and, it, and, and there are reasons to proceed with caution if you're gonna study uh, Revelation through the view of the futurist. Okay, so four views of Revelation. The preterist, this has been mostly fulfilled in the first century except for the last couple of chapters of Revelation. And so as we study, if, if we're gonna take that view, as we study Revelation, we're gonna study it as church history. That doesn't mean it doesn't have applications for today. Uh, it's just, that's the reality of that view. The historicist says some of it has been fulfilled, some of it is being fulfilled, and some of it is going to be fulfilled. And so we're gonna try to discern where we're at. The idealist says, I don't need to know any specific events. If I know nothing about the history of the last 2,000 years, I can still study Revelation and say, what, 
What does this teach me about the Christian life today? The futurist view is going to say, most of everything we read in Revelation is going to happen within a very short period of time, immediately preceding the return of Christ. Okay, that's a lot. It, especially if that's new, and I know to, to many of you that this is not new, but if that's, if that's new, uh, I just wanna encourage you to over the next few weeks, just continue to, to digest that information. My goal today is to equip you to begin to study the book of Revelation. My goal today is to give you some, because listen, if, if, if you just open the book of Revelation and read chapters one through 22, um, you're likely to be enriched in many ways because it's God's word and God's word does that. But you're also likely to be confused perhaps troubled, maybe a little bit scared and searching for more answers than you can immediately find. And so as we, as we, as we look at the book of Revelation over the next couple of months, I want you to think about this framework of these four views and think which one of these seems to work best and, and, and also I should add, there, there is a fifth view called the eclectic view, which says we're gonna take all four of those views and apply them at different times depending on where we're at in the book. And there's some benefits to that. But you need to know that regardless of which one of these views, if you are, if you are to hold to one of these views, you need to know that there are intelligent arguments by Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christians against and for each one of them. And that's challenging. In fact, as I, you know, this, this past week, I listened to hours of debate. I listened to some of the brightest Christian teachers and leaders in the church today debate one another about their views of revelation. And I walked away going, <laughs> well, now what? <laughs> I was hoping one of these guys would prove to be smarter than the other guys. And I could just say, that's it. That's the one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to that view with everything I've got. And instead, you ha it's humbling. It's humbling to study the book of Revelation. That's one of the things we'll talk about before we end today is the importance of studying Revelation with humility. The importance of studying Revelation with, with fear and reverence before God. But before we get to that, because that's kind of where I wanna close, there are some other things we need to talk about. Another thing that comes up in addition to these four views, uh, and by the way, I'll... We have, there, on the handout, there is a text your questions number. Uh, as we go through Revelation, I encourage you to engage. I, I, I want to take away the intimidation factor. I want there to be awe and reverence and humility, but I don't want there to be intimidation. I want you to engage with Revelation. 
I want you to engage with, with some of the greatest debates over this book. I don't want you to shy away from any of that. And so uh, I'll continue to encourage you to do that as we go through the study. But if you have questions that you want the pastors here to answer, then feel free to text them uh, to that number. However, I, I ask that you keep your questions to, to passages that have already been covered. And so if you have a question about Revelation chapter 20, uh, hold on to that question until we teach on Revelation chapter 20, okay? But anything that we've covered is fair game. And so if you have questions about any of these views, uh, feel free to send those uh, that way and we, we'll, shoot some, we'll do some videos and, and talk about those things. I'll also link in our Facebook group, I'll link to some of what I think are the, the uh, more helpful discussions about the book of Revelation that are online. You can go, if you just put in Google uh, views of Revelation or four views of Revelation, you'll get all kinds of, don't be afraid of Google. Don't, there's a lot of good information on there. You'll get a lot of summaries, defenses of, debates over these four views, and it'll be very helpful. The more familiar you become with these four views, the, the more enriching your study of Revelation will be. Uh, and so I'll link to some of the conversations online that I think are helpful and, and point you to that. The other thing we need to cover is millennium views. When you, when you hear people talk about their stance or their view of Revelation, they'll identify which of those four camps of interpretation they fall into, and they'll identify their view on the millennium. The millennium, as you see defined here on the handout, is a period of time spoken of in Revelation chapter 20, during which Satan will be bound and believers will reign with Christ. And so Revelation 20 tells us there will be a thousand year period, a millennium, where Satan will be bound up, his influence on the human race will be extremely limited, and believers, specifically believers who have been martyred for the faith, although perhaps there are ways of understanding this as a broader category of believers, will reign with Christ. Sounds pretty straightforward. It's not. <laughs> there, depending on how you view the book of Revelation is gonna influence how you view the millennium. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's not unfortunate. It's, it's just the, the reality of what it is, is that this very briefly mentioned concept really dictates a lot of how people interpret and understand the book of Revelation. So you have three views here. They're fairly simple. Premillennialism. Premillennialism, let me, let me explain this a little bit further. All of these three views describe where they believe the return of Christ will take place in reference to this thousand year reign. So, well, this will make sense as we go through these, but does Jesus, does Jesus return before the millennium? Does Jesus return after the millennium? So on and so forth. So premillennialism says that Christ will return before the millennium. Jesus will rule the world. He'll physically rule on planet earth and begin an age of peace and security. That's premillennialism. Probably the most popular view along with the futurist view of uh, most evangelical Christians today. Amillennialism. Amillennialism is the view that the millennium, did I go too fast? I did, okay, all right. Well, go back to premillennialism, please. Thank you. Give you a second to get those in. I'll take an opportunity to get a drink. 
All right, pre, before, begin. Amillennialism. And you can, if you wanna put that in your notebook, you'll have to copy that from the handout. This is the view that the millennium is not an actual period of 1,000 years, but the period now in progress in which the gospel is spreading throughout the world and Christ is ruling at the right hand of God the Father. So, the millenn- again, the millennium in, in Revelation chapter 20 tells us three things. Christ will reign, Satan will be bound, and believers will reign with him for a thousand years. Those are the components, okay? So each of these views is going to skew those components in, in different ways. Premillennialism, pretty straightforward. Christ will return. There'll be a literal thousand year reign in which Satan's influence on the earth will be basically void and we will reign on earth with him. Amillennialism is, says this is, this is more figurative than literal. It's not meant to... to um, convey an actual 1,000-year period, but 1,000 years is used here figuratively to say a long time. And, and there's, there's precedent for that in, in Scripture. So it's not an actual period of 1,000 years, but the period now in progress, what are the other components? Jesus is reigning. And so Jesus is reigning from the right hand, excuse me, the right hand of God The gospel is spreading because Satan is now bound and believers are rolling with Christ in the sense that we are spreading his kingdom throughout the earth. So that's amillennialism. It's something that is going on as we speak. Postmillennialism, there will be a period of great peace and security when the gospel has spread throughout the world and Christ reigns spiritually through his people. After this time of 1,000 years or so, Christ will return to end history. And so two of these views hold that the millennium is either happening now or will happen before Christ's return. One holds that the millennium will happen after Christ's return, okay? I hope you can see how important this is. Whether you believe we are in the millennial reign of Christ now or the millennial reign of Christ is something that will happen after Jesus returns is going to influence how you live. It's going to influence how you engage with the world. Now, there are, there are certain rules of engagement that all Christians should live by. There are things like, such as the great commission and the command to be Jesus's witnesses throughout all of the earth that all of us should be com- completely committed to. And so at the end of the day, there, there shouldn't be a ton of difference in how we live our lives. But without a doubt, what you believe about the millennium will impact how you view the world. Do you believe that this world is going to progressively get worse until Christ returns and then he's going to put everything in order? Or do you believe the world is progressively getting better now as we speak and that one day it's going to get so good that that Jesus comes back and we have prepared the earth to be his kingdom over which he will reign? important questions. It's important questions. Post-millennialism is by far the most optimistic. The, the, the idea that uh, the world is getting increasingly, 
is becoming an increasingly better place for the gospel, it seems to defy current human experience, right? However, you have to understand, you're, we're seeing this from the point of, a limited point of view where we are 21st century Americans, where we seem to, to see our, our culture in decline, that we have to consider that may not be the case all over the world. There are countries where, where gospel witness and the growth of the church is actually growing and growing and growing. And so if you live in those places of the world, you might be more likely to say, hey, it looks like, it looks like we're preparing the earth for Jesus's return. There are a lot of things to consider as you look at these views, but these are very important as we study Revelation. And we'll mention them uh, from time to time. Now, having gotten all of that out there, the four views of the book of Revelation itself, the three views of the millennial reign of Christ as a framework from which we can now study the word, we can now study the, the book of Revelation and, and come to some sort of conviction about which of these views seems to speak best for what we see in scripture, let me exhort us, encourage us on how we should study this book. Because if, if you came here today, like most probably enter a church service and you don't really want to do mental work, you would just rather me get up here and say, here's what the Bible says, here's what it means. I, I understand that, I respect that. I respect a good lazy mind. <laughs> However, as I have been prepping, prepping for, for preaching Revelation, I have grown in conviction that we need this book. We need to study this book. It is the tendency of many to say, say things like, well, hey, if, this, you know, if the scholars don't agree, then I'm sure not gonna be the one to figure it out. Or, you know, I'm just gonna be ready for Jesus at any time. And that's a good sentiment. That's, that's, that's good in the sense that yes, regardless of how you interpret the book of Revelation, serve Jesus with all your might and be ready whether he returns today or a thousand years from now. Be ready to meet him today or be ready to die of old age as a faithful follower of Christ. That's so important. However, do not use that as an excuse to avoid studying God's word. This word has been given to us so that we might read, so that we might grab hold of, and so that we might come to convictions regarding things in this book and so that we might in that way glorify Christ and enjoy him here on the earth. And so how do we study this book? You see this on the handout. We study this book. How should we study this book? I want to encourage us to study it with faith, with reverence, and with humility before the Lord. Read Revelation believing that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, that this is the revelation 
of the Son of God who is slain for the sins of the world, who is one day going to, to put all of his enemies beneath his foot and that he is preparing an eternity in which we will reign with him forever. Study this book with faith. Study this book believing that this is for you. Study it though with reverence. God's word is a majestic thing to come before God. This is not spiritual milk. This, this is to throw yourself into the deep end of the pool of God's word. And we ought to take that very seriously. We ought to revere him and the truth of his scripture. We ought not to make light of what he has revealed. And so we study with humility. I want to encourage us above all else to study with humility and with a desire for unity with other Christians. The book of Revelation is not meant to divide us. It's not meant to turn us against each other. It's not, it's not meant to cause division among the church. It is meant to unite us around the throne of Jesus Christ as humble servants willing to follow him even unto death. And so we wanna study with faith, reverence, and humility. Let me read again the first two verses of our passage today. And I do apologize because we place a very strong emphasis on reading the word, saying what it says, and then applying it to our lives during our time here on Sunday mornings. And mostly today I've been talking about the Bible, but not talking from the Bible. And so I wanna take the last few minutes and talk from the Bible. Verses one and two says, the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. This is a revelation that was given so that we could see Jesus, what he is doing, what his plan is for his creation. Verse one says, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, whatever he saw. John, at, 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 at great cost to himself, received this revelation from God was faithful and diligent to put it down and to deliver it to the church. And you and I are the recipients of this great revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, I also should study with a desire to grow more obedient to Christ. A desire to grow more obedient to Christ. If the result of studying Revelation is that you become more proud and more judgmental of other believers, you studied it wrong. The, the result of studying this book should be obedience to Jesus. It should be love for his church and love for the lost. It should be love for his kingdom. That's why verse three says, blessed is he who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. Next, we should study this book with an awareness, awareness of our need to overcome through Christ. Much of this book is going to talk about 
the spiritual battles that we must persevere through, that we must, serve, that we must remain faithful through, the, the spiritual battles that, that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have already experienced throughout church history and the spiritual battles that we are going to experience in our lifetime as we seek to live faithful lives for Christ. And so this is a book that gives us great encouragement and how we shall overcome. It's good to know, if you, one thing you need to know about the book, that the book of Revelation reveals is that Jesus wins. Amen. Like you, that's, Really important to know that. <laughs> he wins decisively. And so this book is an encouragement to us that we have a responsibility to remain faithful. We must not turn back. We must remain faithful to Christ. Verse seven says, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be, amen. Finally, lastly, but not least, we wanna study this book in preparation for Jesus's return. Regardless to, of which of the four views you may uh, end up holding to or whatever your view of the millennium is or whatever your view of the rapture is, we all agree Jesus is returning. He's coming back and, and, and revelation is meant to, to help us prepare for that return so that we might be found faithful on the day of his return. I am the alpha and the omega, verse eight says. The one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. At Jesus' return, will he find the, the believers of that generation, whether it be our generation or another, will he find the believers of that generation living in awe of who he is, living out lives of faithful service in, in response to the good news of his gospel, will he find people on earth who have been redeemed by the blood of his sacrifice and who anxiously await his return? And will you be among such people if he were to return in your lifetime? So we read Revelation in preparation for Jesus' return. He is coming. He he is preparing eternity for us. We will or we are, depending on your view of the millennium, reign with him. And he expects much of us. And so we're gonna dig in and we're gonna take this book seriously and we're gonna be humble where it demands humility and we're gonna contend for unity among believers who believe differently over these things, but we are going to pursue the book of Revelation with a desire to live lives of faithful obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is worthy. Would you pray with me? Father, as we, as we prepare to look at this magnificent word, this magnificent revelation which speaks of things that can hardly be placed into human words, of a glory which 
which human language fails to describe the glory that belongs to the Lamb of God who's been slain for the sins of the world, who now sits enthroned over the nations. God, would you, would you increase our excitement to follow you? Would you increase our desire to be faithful in the mundane and in the small things of life? Would you invigorate us to serve you Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday? Would you compel us to make our lives count for eternity? For heaven and hell are real. And real people are gonna spend a real eternity in a real heaven or a real hell. May we lay down our lives for your service here on this earth for the sake of your kingdom for the sake of your glory and for the salvation of those whom you came to save God help us to come into this book with humility but with eagerness help us to be good students of your word Help us to take seriously the command to study this book of prophecy that we might know better the Jesus revealed within. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.